Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Mini Break, a Cracked Rackets and Tennis Channel production with all of your storylines, results, and controversy in the tennis world. Today is Wednesday, September 4th, and we're here to talk about, you guessed it, more U.S. Open. My name is Jamie McDonald, and I will be your host for today. And I've got a special, special guy with me. Instead of my Wednesday regular Mastikoyak, it's Alex Gruskin. Gruskin, how's it going? It's often that we record these the night before, you know, Tuesday night, going into Wednesday, Wednesday, going into Thursday. But because Roger Federer played so late into the night against Grigor, it is Wednesday here on the East Coast. And I am thrilled to be here, Jamie. Thank you for having me. Sorry to Stokowiak for stealing what was obviously a great day of tennis. Yeah, it really was. No, we were we were definitely treated to a good day of tennis. Appreciate you staying up with me as well. But you mentioned it right off the bat, the Federer match. I think I think that's just where we have to start. Not only is it a huge result, but it's fresh in both of our minds. Of course, we watched that five-setter. Dimitrov just upsetting the three-seed Federer, taking him out in five sets. That's 3-6, 6-4, 3-6, 6-4, 6-2. The Bulgarian moves on to the semis. I mean, there are so many things you can talk about and ask about in this match, but I guess at what point in this match did you think Dimitrov, hey, you can pull this off and you can win this? Well, I want to start by saying the running joke amongst our Crack Rackets crew. Yes, I said Grigor Dimitrov, if his draw broke right, had a chance to make a deep run here. But not in my wildest dreams. Even after he took the second set, that I think he was going to beat Federer. I mean, you look at the yeah. head-to-head coming in, Federer 7-0 and against Dimitrov. A lot of those matchups, I think six of the seven were on a hard court. You know, baby fat has been Dimitrov's stereotype of his game for his entire career. So for him to go into this match to play the real deal fed, it's not a joke to say Federer does everything that Dimitrov does, except for maybe movement at this point in his career, but all of those other things probably a little bit better. But movement was the key word. Grigor Dimitrov has not had a good 2019, obviously, but that's what was the thing that stood out the most is how fresh he looked from ball one to the last ball. And yeah, he came out nervous in that first set. We can go through the set to set breakdown. But for me, the thing I was most impressed with was how he imposed himself physically in this match. He stretched Federer to the outer thirds because Federer was struggling. Again, something we'll talk about. He knew, I, you know, I have to be consistent, but he wasn't a stupid consistent. He didn't push. He didn't keep balls in the inner third. He moved the ball around. He played just a very cerebral, smart match. Not the match you'd expect from someone who'd struggled to the degree that Grigor has this year. Yeah, I think that's fair. And what's interesting too, in this first set, I think I don't know. I was preparing what I was going to say about the match because I expected him to get rolled after I saw the first set (laughs) because he was doing a lot of the things you just said he couldn't do. He was keeping balls in the middle Mm -hmm. third. He wasn't stretching Federer the correct way, right? Like out on the outer thirds, making a movement a huge part of this match. He figured that out, and that's how he came out on top here. Of course, you know, Federer had the trainer called and had some issues there. Clearly not himself, especially toward the end, but especially when you talk about the physicality of this. I mean, Dimitrov looked like he could have gone for another couple of sets. He looked great, honestly, physically. And so even though this was, you know, a five-setter, maybe this is just me, but 
I don't see really any concern for him going into the next match here. I think he's fine physically, right? So Roger Federer, 38 years old, he comes into this match. I'm, I'm looking up his record. Obviously, he's had a good season. I'm guessing it's in the you know 40 and 6-ish range. I'll get you an exact number in a second. But for Grigor Dimitrov, he comes into this tournament 12 and 15 on the year, 27 matches through 2019. You know, we're more than 27 weeks, I think, into the year. That means he's averaging less than a match a week. And so, yeah, he's 28 years old. In theory, he's in his physical prime. These were the years we expected Grigor with the you know big three big four aging off to maybe steal a grand slam or two sort of cement his place as the player of the generation after those Djokovic Murray Nadal fed types because of the success he had in 2017 reaching the year-end final I believe now that he gets this win this will be his third career grand slam semi-final and you know the fact that he lost you don't want to say you know the the lack of success he had early in the year helped him get to this point because you know physically mentally emotionally I'm sure it was a train wreck of a season but yeah he looks fresh as can be and you could tell in the fifth set that he could still track down the extra ball you know that Federer looked so worn down in comparison I agree not only does he look plenty healthy but he's going to face a Daniel Medvedev who is obviously you know worn down from making three, four finals, whatever it is. I think he's made three finals, one title, now the semifinal here so far in his summer run since Wimbledon. I do want to talk about Grigor tennis-wise, what we saw from him in a second. But yeah, physically, he's as you know fit as any player left in the draw. Yeah, and I think that just bodes super well for him going forward. Of course, you mentioned that Medvedev matchup coming forward. We will talk about Daniil's win over Vavrinka in four sets here in a bit. But yeah, I mean, I guess in terms of Dimitrov, for me, I think we saw a lot of good things out of Grigor. We saw him mentally figure things out, how to bounce back. But I don't know. I guess for me, in a lot of ways, well, I guess I'll just ask it. Do you think Federer lost this or Dimitrov won this match? Well, I'm going to say a quick, hey, great shot to me. Roger Federer, 39-6 and six on the year coming into this tournament. I guess 40-6. and six. You were I wrong. Been that... Sorry. Yeah, I was, I was <laughs> off by one match, but still, hey, great shot to me. Look, the things Grigor did well in this match were so simple, right? 19 of 130 on his first serve, 69% first serves in. That's a very good performance, the sort you need against Roger Federer. But it feels replicable, right? I know he has six aces against seven double faults, but he was being aggressive and he hit so many good targets on the forehand side, or on the deuce side, the forehand side. I love the way he would stretch Federer out wide with a forehand to open up as much space as possible for his plus one ball. He had it set in his mind that he was going to attack Federer, make Federer hit at the very least on the run. And it's funny because it says for the match, Grigor only went 13 of 20 at the net. But I feel like there were a lot of points where he didn't even have to hit a volley because Federer missed so many passes. And again, that sort of cerebral attitude. If you're playing a Medvedev who's not only going to be 12 feet behind the baseline, but who's physically sore, I think that strategy is going to wear very well for him. It's going to you know play well for him if he carries it into the next round. And I do think that's fair, but in a lot of ways, too, so many of those Federer had clean looks at, right? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, smart on the part of Dimitrov to recognize that Federer was struggling in some of those and still keep that pressure on him. It's like, hey, if he can't make these balls, you know, let's make him try and he'll miss, right? It's like, if he can't prove that he can pass me on a ball that he has a clean look at, I'm going to keep coming in. And so you're absolutely right. 40 winners to 60 unforced errors for Federer. 
un- that uh, when your unforced error count is that high, it means a the stats makers thought you had enough opportunities that the error was unforced, but b it means you gave Grigor a lot of free points, and it was the forehand that was spraying in the net or spraying wide. The backhand just there didn't seem to be any rhythm. I you know you take the movement uh, distance covered per point stats with a grain of salt because they're very uh, they very sporadic from match to match, but that Grigor and Federer both li- uh, listed within point five feet of each other. That shows me Grigor didn't allow Federer to do what he does best, which is hit through him, play aggressive. You know, Grigor played enough offense to keep Roger honest, and because Roger was sore, it was enough to get Grigor over the edge. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. And the thing, too, is just when you do look at the stats breakdown, let's be honest here, in a lot of ways, they're very similar, but you you hit the nail on the head in in terms of the winners to unforced air count, because... Grigor, he does have slightly more unforced errors throughout the match, 35 versus 41 in terms of winner to unforced errors. But, I mean, you said it exactly right. That 40 to 60 on the Federer side is just not going to get it done. And quite honestly, I mean, right, so many of those unforced errors just seem so uncharacteristic for Federer. But, I mean, that fifth set was also very uncharacteristic for Federer. Granted, maybe he was hampered by that injury that he had that uh, timeout four when the trainer came out. But Regardless, I think we do have to give a lot of credit here to Dimitrov. I mean, just mentally alone, like you said, to come back from the sort of season that he's had to show up. Granted, he did not look confident in the first set, but his ability to reset himself and get through this match, I think, just shows a lot, even though Federer was not in his top form. I think he jumps from number 78 to number 25 in the live rankings. That's, you know, know, career saver is a little hyperbolic, but yeah, he... He might have saved his career simply by the fact that now, because he was so bad at the early parts of 2019, it doesn't matter. He has these points to prop him up. He can redo 2020 essentially with a clean slate. So many first-round losses. So in in theory, the upside for him, he could be in that top 10 range if he has you know even a season by his 2016 standards. And so, yeah, this result, there's nothing from upside. I think he goes top 15 if he makes the final, top 10 if he wins the thing. I mean, yeah, for Grigor Dimitrov, this is the exact sort of result you need at age 28 to right the ship, to not fall off, because for him, you know, it could have been very easy for him to disappear, and I want to flip this on you, and we can change topics after, but for Roger Federer, uh, just a quick memoriam on his season, not that it's over, I'm sure we'll see him in Labor Cup and maybe at the Shanghai Masters Paris World Tour Finals, but you look at his results, uh, you know, his last seven slams, so he didn't play the French Open, but this is since he won Australia in 2018. Quarterfinal Wimbledon, fourth round U- uh, where he lost to Anderson. Fourth round U.S. Open, he loses to Millman. Fourth round Australian Open this year loses to Tsitsipas. Obviously, semifinals Rafa at the French, fine. Finals Djokovic, he has match points, fine. Quarterfinals at the U.S. Open this year loses to uh, the. I, we were just talking about the match. This is unbelievable. Loses to Dimitrov the way he does. Um, my question to you, with that context in mind, coming into 2020. Roger Federer can still justifiably believe that he can win a Grand Slam, right? Yeah, I mean, there's no reason not to. He was an inch away from it at Wimbledon. Um, granted, it's Wimbledon, and that's where he wants to be. But, yeah, I mean, there's no reason he can't. And I'm sure he's kicking himself right now just because of how the draw was, um, especially in the top half of this U.S. Open. Um, but, you know, he's, I don't know, he has, he always has a pretty positive mindset about this, even though when reporters kept asking him about the, you know, the match points at Wimbledon scenario— you know, he still had a pretty positive spin on it. He was like, look, that just proves that I'm still out here for a right reason and that I had the chance to be at that. And so I think if he continues to look at it in that way, you know, he's going to be he's going to be better off. But at the same time, you're right. I mean, when you when you string all of those results together, 
it, it doesn't make a great case. I mean, look, the guy's almost 40. But, hey, look, if you're still out here going to quarters and semis of Grand Slams, you still deserve to be out there until you decide you don't want to be out there. I agree. I hope we see him at the Olympics. My I, actual last thought on this match, the other winner, the sneaky big winner from tonight, SMU Tennis and SMU head coach Grant Chen, who got yeah. more highlight, more airtime for that program than ev- probably ever before in their history. So shout out for him. That's just damn good marketing. I'm pretty sure Grant Chen was on camera more than Serena Williams tonight. That had to have mounted more than the, than the match time between Serena and Wong. That was insane. But Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe. More than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Um, anyway, no, you're absolutely right. We spent enough time on that. As big as a result it is, we do need to talk about who Dimitrov will now face, which is Daniil Medvedev, who takes out Stan Wawrinka in four sets. 7-6, 8-6 in that breaker. 6-3, 3-6, I mean, to me, I mean, what a, what a good win for Medvedev. I know that sounds so basic, but what a good win. I mean, just mentally, physically, for him to get through this, not only over someone like Stan, who, of course, has the momentum of coming off of a Djokovic win, even though it was a retirement in the end, so impressive. I mean, Medvedev has so much kinesio tape on him, I don't even know how he's still standing, and yet he's able to get through a first set where he double-faulted upwards of like 50 times and i just don't it's just incredible to me there's really no other way to put it but what a good win from daniel medvedev i mean he has enough tape on him to be considered part mummy i agree with you i would also i've been big on hard knocks john gruden what a personality but if you remember back in the day there was his gruden grinders and even though dimitrov dimitrov went five sets today medvedev's my gruden grind i'll call it my gruskin grinder of the day because the fact that (laughs) hey great shot uh the fact that it was so clear from the get-go he called the trainer what four three up a break in the first set that with the amount of tape on him with the amount of matches as I just mentioned he makes the final in DC final in Montreal wins Cincinnati now makes the quarterfinals here the uh, ATP leader in wins on the season has played so many matches he's hurting he's worn down he's tired and he found so many different ways in this match to make Stan Wawrinka uncomfortable to attack in different ways to come forward in the way he did you know, he's a guy we often see six, six feet behind the baseline because of the way he's able to leverage his length into movement on a hard court, cover the court, different angles so well, generate power and angle and spin from behind the baseline because of how tall he is. And yet in this match, it was serve plus ones, right? He went through a phase of bombing forehands. He went through a phase of hitting the ball and following it in, covering the net. He went through a drop shot lob phase. I he mean, did. He did, the full skill set of Daniil Medvedev was on display, but then the biggest thing, why you know he has twelve double faults, and we were talking a little bit earlier, you know it was reminiscent in that first set, and I think Brad Gilbert was making jokes. Oh, he probably watched too much Alex Zverev, but his double faults are so different. I know he's probably you could argue he's going for too much, and some of the second serves were just bad misses, anyways. But the way Daniil Medvedev has been playing over the past three weeks is he is playing to win. Alex Zverev. 
Zverev plays not to lose. Daniil Medvedev doesn't do that. He goes for his shots. He keeps you off balance. And it's just such a contrast. It's not the same as Djokovic, Nadal, or Federer. It's a different form of tennis. And that's why seeing it have success, it feels new and it's so fun. No, I think that's that's definitely right. I think in terms of attitude, Medvedev just goes for it. You know, it's funny. You know, I was of course I was giving him trouble for the, all those double faults. Overall, in this match, he has twelve, but nine of those twelve are in the first set. After that, I mean, this is a four set match. He only had three other double faults, especially when he is going for it on some of these second serves. That's not bad at all. And so it just shows that he reined it in mentally and he was fine. And the fact that he double faulted nine times in the first set and still won it is ridiculous and so that that kind of leads me to my point where i don't know i mean medvedev deserves to win no, he this stole match, the first he set was creative he, he, it was thievery he yeah. absolutely stole he it was, from wavrinka it was ridiculous yeah. and i it's, it's like hard to find in the stats sometimes too because if you look at this i mean look medvedev hits 36 winners and 36 unforced airs okay wavrinka hits 38 winners and 38 unforced airs it's like, all right, that's, that seems pretty dead even. You know, when when percentage on first serve is below Stan Favrinka's, however, the second serve is really where it gets key here. He wins 58% of his second serve points compared to Favrinka's 38%. Then, of course, he just wins half his break points, four of eight instead of two and eight on Stan's side. I mean, the margin, we say this so often, but the margins here were pretty thin, really, until that fourth set when Medvedev was just steamrolling. Well, that, that's but, what's amazing, is there's a 12-point total point difference between the two at the end. You talk about receiving points one. Uh, Stan Wawrinka won 43 total points while receiving Medvedev, only 40, but Medvedev did it on 18 fewer attempts. Also, you look at those second serve numbers, you take out Medvedev's 12 double faults. He's 30 of 40 on second serve points, 75% conversion rate. Yeah. That is pretty damn good for Daniil Medvedev. So I agree with you. The stat's a little misleading. What it keeps coming back to is Stan Wawrinka, he had one mode, hit, 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 you know, attack, 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 attack. What Daniil Medvedev did was make Stan uncomfortable. He made him play a Medvedev brand of tennis. And Stan, you you could tell he didn't, do I hit through backhand? Should I slice the backhand? Should I, I don't want to give Medvedev time because he's hurting, but at the same time, I don't want to make easy errors because he's hurting. I want to make this physical. And he just looked lost out there even more so mentally than physically and that's the Medvedev effect no I think you're definitely right there I think one thing that shook Vavrinka's confidence even more than what Medvedev does to you when you have to play him is he was just not on his game Mm -hmm. I mean that first set like you said Medvedev did steal it but Vavrinka missed so many neutral rally balls it was insane and not even that close there were multiple he'd missed by a foot and a half this sounds stupid, but via the eye test, Wawrinka's 38 unforced errors felt a lot worse than Medvedev's 36. Felt like Medvedev was going for the right shots, right? And Wawrinka just the whole match, no rhythm. Uh, but look, in the context of what these other next-gen guys have accomplished, and uh, you know, I know you like to keep it short on Wednesday, so I'll try and keep this short. Hyun Chung, 2018 Australian Open, beats Novak Djokovic to make the semifinals. Well, he's completely fresh. You know, it felt very, you know, first term of the year, no injuries, the blister on his foot, not big yet. So, you know, Djokovic coming off of injury with that context. So good win for Chung, though. Very impressive. Tsitsipas, beginning of this year, knocks off Federer to make the semifinals. Same circumstances. Guys are fresh. There's no injuries. It's completely different. It'll wash, but, you know, Tsitsipas plays a good match. This win from Medvedev, to me, was the most impressive performance I've ever seen from a next-gen guy at a slam, and it's because Medvedev was hurting. He's mentally and physically worn down at this point. He played a very loose first set, 
And not only did he find a way to win it, but he found a way to leverage that into winning the match. And that's an elite skill. That's the thing you need to learn how to do to win not only, you know, not even multiple, but just one grand slam. And it seems like Daniil Medvedev is really mentally figuring things out on the court. You're right. He has shown an impressive mental ability that will serve him well in the future, much past this U.S. Open. And can I just also add real quick, one of Daniil Medvedev and Grigor Dimitrov are making the final. Like, let that sink in. That is the if U.S. I, Open in 2019. I it's I know. crazy, right? It's like, it is. screw Fed, screw Djokovic, with all due respect, screw Nadal. I don't need to see them anymore. We are getting a new major finalist. I could not be more excited. You are so bored with the big three. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's, so it's good and exciting, but at the same time, for some of us who, well, hey, you grew up with it too, but it's also kind of sad, right? But hey, you know what's... It's good to see someone like Medvedev. He looked so good today, and it's good to see him be able to pull out a win like this. I mean, you know we talked funny? about it. What? If it was if it was Murray, I'd be all in. I'd be like, no, dude, we haven't seen it in a while. <laughs> but let's be real here: Murray's not in the same categories as other three. And uh, just <laughs> <laughs> had to had to had to give you that one there. But uh, no, let's go ahead and get to some other matches that we I saw just today. Say, hey, great shot. Yeah, well, I had to do it. Spitalina <laughs> on the women's side looked incredibly good um, as well. She gets a win, six four six four over the sixteen seed Jokanta. I mean, just in play and physicality alone, Svitolina looks like she could take this title, right? She is 100% capable of winning this title. And the thing I loved in her matches against Maddie Keys and Joe Conta is just the variety she displayed. She can hurt you in so many different ways. Because she's such a dynamic athlete, she can absorb the power of a Madison Keys. But then against a Joe Conta, she can make Conta uncomfortable, dictate to the outer thirds, make Conta have to play a more athletic defensive style than she wants you know Kanta wants to be the one swinging you around the court we saw that in her win in the fourth round uh, but for Svitolina I mean she didn't make a lot of first serves only 50% but still win 62% of those points 60% of her second serve points four of eight on break points for herself holds Kanta to two of three I mean 16 winners against 13 unforced errors I thought more than anything she put the pressure on Kanta. She forced Kanta to hit a bigger ball than Kanta would like at the average part, and she forced Kanta into that 24-winner, 35-unforced-error ratio she has. What makes me most—and we'll talk about Serena's dominant performance, I'm sure, although there's not really much to talk about with all due respect, but the thing I look most forward to from Svitolina, again, she is athletic enough that no matter how powerful her opponent is, she's still going to be able to hang around in the match, and I feel like to beat Serena, you have to have a baseline of athleticism that's so tough to reach, and Svitolina reaches that point, and it's just she can do so many different things. She seems to be swinging so freely and and confidently she was in this scenario in Wimbledon as well so she's not as green in terms of Grand Slam semifinals she's still only 24 25 years old uh yeah she is a she looked really good today yeah absolutely and, and you mentioned it in terms of the matchup when we get to Serena of course you know when we're talking Serena we saw it today when she's on she can hit anyone off a of court but if there's anyone who's going to be able to hang with her in terms of physicality, getting one more ball back, having that great shot tolerance, it's Svitolina. And she looks in to be in great form. And so I think that is a clash that we're certainly looking forward to as well. Um, well, can I just say one other thing? The thing yeah. I worry about for Svitolina, Conta today only averaging 98 per mi- eight miles per hour on the first serve, 82 on the second serve. 
Serena's a level up on that. So for yeah. Kanta to have, you know, Kanta wins 59% of her first serve points, not great. 48% of her second serve points, not great. But Svitolina's going to have to be, I think, even better on the return uh, against Serena. I thought that was the one thing. She left some returns, some in the net. She just took too big of cuts. But you have to be so consistent with that return against Serena because if you give her a sitting first ball, I mean, ask Wang today, the point's going to be over in two shots. And so I just, that is the one thing, you know, I'm sure she's going to hit, she doesn't need me to say it, 6,000, maybe even more returns between now and that semifinal match. But yeah, for Svitolina, all of the skills are there. The recipe is there for her to beat Serena Williams in the semifinals. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you mentioned this going up against a very different beast of a serve there. The fastest serve Joe Conta hits today is 111. She's going to be seeing a lot in that range from Serena. So, of course, she knows that and she will be ready for it on the return side, but you're right. She's got to clean it up a little bit in that category. Speaking of Serena Williams, let's go ahead and move into that match. Like you said, there might not be too much to talk about here, but Serena Williams moving forward with a 6-1-6-0 win over Wong, the 18 seed here. I mean, look, Serena was my favorite to win this one outright. And she is playing at a very, very high level. We haven't seen this high of a level from her in a long time. 60% of her first serves go in, but she wins 19 of uh, of 21 points on the first serve with only one ace to that. So that shows me big serve plus one tennis. She does her thing. Wang in this match, zero winners. Are you kidding me? You're a professional tennis player and you have zero winners. I know playing Serena at night, Arthur Ashe, biggest stage you could ask for as a female player, but... I mean, Serena just dominated this. 7 of 7 at the net. 5 of 5 on break points. One. Serena won 22 of her 30 receiving points. You heard that correctly. She didn't face a single break point. She's getting better and better as this tournament progresses. The ankle injury we saw a few nights ago clearly didn't hamper her tonight. I mean, yeah, your pick of her on the women's side is a damn good one, and there's no reason to doubt it. Yeah, okay. The zero winners, that is absolutely insane. That's crazy. I've never also seen insane, that before. Also insane that this match was under 45 minutes. So uh, I'm not even kidding. Remember when I texted you early in the day and we were like, oh, Federer's scheduled for 820, but you know, that match <laughs> never starts on time. Well, it's funny because Federer goes five sets, so we end up starting late anyways. But it's like, no, it would have started on time. Oh my, it, that, yeah, that was insane. You know, I was expecting Serena to come out on top of this, but this is one of the most dominant performances we have yeah, seen in quite a while. We really aren't trying to disrespect uh, Chen Wang, who's had a great tournament. She upsets Ashley Barty the round before, but simply put, she didn't have it tonight. She There's no. just nothing there. No, she did not. But hopefully, let's go ahead and look ahead to what will probably be, uh, at least we can hope for, as a spectator, better matchups the quarterfinals on the women's side that we will see today Benchich taking on Bekich that's a 13 against a 23 your pick Benchich of course and we'll also see Andrescu and Mertens let's start with Benchich Bekich real quick here I'm gonna go ahead and safely assume that you've got Benchich winning this one and you want Benchich to win this one but what specifically in this matchup do you see that's going to get her across the finish line Vekic in 1996, Benchich 1997, both young players, both in that top 25 range. Benchich has had a little bit more success this year. You look over their careers, Benchich 2-1 and one against her, but her two wins came on grass and hard court in 2014. Vekic, a 6-4, 6-1 winner in the round of 32 at the French Open this year over Benchich. Both of these players tremendously powerful, but for me, uh, I mean, the way Belinda Benchich attacked Naomi Osaka got her stretched to the outer thirds. 
she's going to need the exact same game plan against Vekic, and she's been executing flawlessly. She's another player who's gotten better and better as this tournament's progressed. There's a reason I circled her. I think she's got the game. I think she doesn't fear the moment. She's ready for this. She's ready, you know, a world junior number one. She's had the pedigree her whole career. She looks ready to take this title, and I wouldn't be upset if Vekic won, but I am itching for Benchich and Drescu semifinal. So yes, I am rolling with Benchich simply because I think she has more skills, more ways of hurting Bekic, who really has one speed, and it's a top speed, but if it's misfiring at all, things begin to fall apart a little bit for her. So I just think Benchich better form. I'll take her, let's say, 6-4-7-5. Wow, even gives me a score. Well, if it's not 6-4-7-5, I get to say you're wrong. So there we go. <laughs> but as you mentioned on the other side of that, we've got Andrescu. Uh, the young Canadian taking on Mertens. That's a 15 and a 25 seed there. I think I see Andrescu um, coming through this one. I mean, look, she's just been in good form as of late. I, I don't think that Mertens going to come out on top of this one. Potentially takes out a set, but I expect a straight set win from Andrescu here. What about you? Andrescu doesn't lose on hard courts. It's, it's, and if oh, you're she does okay. Yeah, you know, really good. Go, if you're going to beat her, she better have won a tournament the week before and be exhausted, right? She's got yeah. five losses on the year. You could argue, even if she doesn't win this title, she's been the best WTA player on a hard court this season. But for Elise Mertens, you know, she's not exactly old. A 1995-er who's my age. I mean, she's a month younger than me. I don't consider myself old. My hairline old, you know. If I could say one of the winners and losers from week one, me, again, for not shaving before that video podcast, but that's a story for another time. Yeah, but for, for Yeah, exactly. But let's listen for Elise Mertens. Just the way she's built up in 2018, 2019 over her past seven slams. Semifinals at the 2018 Australian Open, but then fourth round, third round, fourth round, third round, third round, fourth round. So it's not as though she's been blown out of early exits. She's putting forward solid performances. Then you add the doubles component, quarterfinalists at the U.S. Open 2018, semifinals and quarterfinalists in doubles at the French in Wimbledon this year. She has later round experience at the Grand Slam. I don't think Bianca Andreescu is going to suffer from this because I think I saw from Ben Rothenberg, she, the way she presents herself, she almost acts as, and she carries herself as though she believes it's her right to win. Anyone who beats her is wronging her and that's the attitude of a champion right you need to believe you can win every match but she's still a little green she knows she hasn't been I think this is the deepest she's ever made in a grand slam this is like her fourth or fifth appearance ever at a grand slam if that so I don't think it's going to be as smooth sailing as maybe on paper you would think I just think Mertens has been playing such solid tennis but to deny Bianca Andreescu her form the way she's looked, you're crazy. If you're picking against her at this point, I'm all in on an Andreescu bench. It's semifinal, as I mentioned. I'll take Andreescu. 6-1-3-6-6-4. Wow, dropping a set. Well, you, you know, you do, <laughs> you do give me a bit of pause there based on what I said. She did drop a set to Taylor Townsend. Granted, Townsend won that one. Uh, 6-4. That was a second, but Andrescu came back and won the third pretty convincingly. So we will see. Like you said, Mertens had a little more experience there, but Andrescu really just riding that high out of her result in Canada. We will see. And, you know, just for your sake, let's go ahead and hope for that uh, Andrescu matchup with Benchich. But that is what we've got for today. Let's go ahead and hop over to the men's side. So we're still talking about today's matches because there are some fun ones as well. On the other side, we've got Berrettini taking on Monfils. That's the 24 and the 13 seed, respectively, and Schwartzman against Nadal. Let's go ahead and start with Berrettini Monfils here. I mean, Berrettini, look, he's had a sneaky and I would say quiet run throughout this. 
and he's going up against Gael Monfils, somebody who, of course, has so much experience, has made deep runs in majors before. We've seen him have some great success. Of course, we've seen him, unfortunately, um, have some tough results and some injuries throughout his career. If you're Berrettini, I mean, what's your attitude going into this match? I'm gonna f- I will answer that, I promise. But my question to you, Darren Ravel today sent out a tweet that a person bought a f- set of four tickets to the U.S. Open final, the men's final, for $54,000. Now, given it's Dimitrov, Medvedev on the top, Monfils, Berrettini, Schwartzman, Nadal on the bottom, is there any permutation of that final where you think the purchase is still worthwhile? Or let's say he can only sell those finals tickets. Let's say he gets somehow $10,000 for the four seats and he can only suffer a loss of four. 40000 on the venture. Is there any sort of combination that makes it worthwhile for him at this point, or are you just eating the money? I mean, it's worthwhile for him. Let's just see what he— Monfils, really Medvedev, just, like Monfils, Dimitrov, that's still spicy. Well, see, that's the thing. It's like for you and me, I think we'd be like, yeah, let's <laughs> yeah. go. We're there. You know, we'd also be there if it was, I don't sure. even know, like Pospisil Laxanen, you know. No, but I would, the, yeah, <laughs> I was going to say Sosa Laxanen. That's funny. fair enough. Yeah, that's, but you know what I mean, right? So for him, yeah. maybe not. Of course, the people who are looking for them, oh, it's, hey, it's going to be a Nadal Federer. Of course, that's a disappointment. But for us, I mean, this is an exciting opportunity for new guys to get in that space. Granted, in the bottom half of this, of course, people are still expecting, and rightfully so, that Nadal is going to come out. He's got Schwartzman tomorrow, the 20 seed. Then he's got the winner of Berrettini and Monfils. So you think that he's going to come out of this. But look, it's not out of the realm of possibility that somebody you know takes out Rafa here and we have another sort of 2014 scenario no. where it's no big three in there. Oh, you think well, Nadal for sure? If Nadal I mean, loses this major, it is a major, major pun. Uh, hey, great shot. Loss for him. I mean, it's wide true. open now. He's looked the true. best. He's played the best. He hasn't lost on a hard court since Wimbledon. He smoked Medvedev in Montreal. So if that's the eventual matchup, you have to like his odds there. Uh, but for Berrettini, Monfils, look, Berrettini plays big man tennis. He's built like a linebacker. He hits he, big serves. He hit, yeah. big. Big forehand, nasty slice, uh, you know, likes playing the backhand slice, likes to find opportunities to run around, hit that inside-in forehand. He, you know, he made Rublev's life miserable during that quarterfinal yeah, match, did. or some, uh, round of 16 match, the way he was moving him around with the forehand. But Monfils is athletic enough, moves well enough to handle any amount of pace, and he's going to make a lot of extra balls. He's going to make Berrettini uncomfortable, gonna hit slices, go for big pops spontaneously. You know, I I think it, you texted me, right, who said Medvedev's a taller version of Monfils? Yeah, I did. I was. It's the mini Hot break, take. so we can't get in. We can't get into all. Of well, it. That's no, actually but, not my. But here's, that's not my exact wording, but sure. Yeah, and I'm not sorry to once again project a phrase on you that wasn't the exact thing you said, not the first time, not the last, but I think for Monfils, the approach to Berrettini, it has to be similar to a Medvedev approach. Just keep him uncomfortable. Keep him honest by moving forward. Don't be afraid to go big on the first, on the second serve, because if you leave him a floater, especially on the ad side, he's running around hitting that inside in forehand Mach 5 down the line. So it's going to be on Monfils to not let Berrettini get in a rhythm because Berrettini hits big enough when he's in a rhythm to beat any one and you know zero zero lifetime record for these two this is the best Berrettini's ever done at a major Monfils has a couple of slam semifinals so experience wise I suppose he has the edge I'm so sick of this Fidelino Monfils coverage I'm totally cool with them dating <laughs> I love athlete athlete dating but like I don't need to hear about it anymore however because Fidelino reached the semis I'm gonna give Monfils the bump as well see them both in the semis that'd be pretty cool 
Yeah, fair enough. Well, I was going to say, well, four that sets, was, by that the was, way. Four sets. That was, was, was going to be my next line, but I guess I'll just <laughs> hold the, the gem's life take for later. Dude, of course, Donovan Kitchen, Vavrinka, we got to mention the them thing. as well. They're so good at tennis. Like, I don't well, need I mean, to hear yeah. about gems. I, I want to hear about gems tennis. Like, I, I just, enough. I like watching tennis, but uh, I, I get it. I get it. But my point is, Monfils, four sets. What, who do you got, by the way? You haven't given me any picks. Oh, I guess some. You said Benchich. I've got Monfils in this one. I like your Monfils. I mean, I, I like the four set take. I think Berrettini is going to be able to impose his game in a lot of places. Um, the problem is Monfils is just going to, I think if he's doing well, he's just going to be able to neutralize the power too much. The um, problem Berrett- is Monfils sometimes, you know, his level varies quite a bit during a match. You can't do that for Berrettini because if you give him even an inch, he's taking it. And so I do worry about that on the flip side, right? You can see the scenario in which Berrettini wins and it's a much simpler formula. But yeah, Monfils has been playing too well this tournament to lose to Matteo Berrettini. Yep, I think you're absolutely right. With that being said, let's go ahead and hop into our final quarterfinal on the men's side. That is Schwartzman and Nadal, the 20 seed, taking on the 2 seed. Nadal, of course, a heavy favorite in this one. Schwartzman, I mean, look, he looked good, and he was cranking those backhands, especially cross-court in his previous match. However, is there, I mean, of course, there's always a chance, but what percentage of a chance would you say Schwartzman has to win this match? Uh, the same it's low. as him hitting a po- a late career growth spurt. Like, I don't, yeah, I don't it's, know. It's, it's low. It, no, it's that's low. rude. That's disrespectful. No, sure. I mean, I guess my question to you is, what does the recipe of a Schwartzman win look like? And you could say the same thing about Grigor, who both Schwartzman and Grigor 0-7 against Nadal and Federer, respectively, going into these quarterfinals. And obviously, we saw Grigor win today, so you're right. It's certainly greater than 0% chance. But on a hard court in particular, like... I don't even know what this recipe would look like. Like Diego Schwartzman takes the Rafa forehand, which bounces above his head, down the line to keep Rafa honest. Like, no, I don't see that. What, Schwartzman's going to bum rush the, the net, serve and volley against Nadal? No, I don't see that. I just, what I, to me, I guess I'm asking, if Schwartzman was to win, what would that look like, Jamie? He's going to have to put some poison in Nadal's food. No, I mean... <laughs> Truthfully, make him wear just, sleeves for the match. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And go back to the, you know, the, the capri, the, the capri pants. Exactly. <laughs> no, but I mean, realistically, Schwartzman is going to have to do a lot of aggressive work in this match. You know, if he just gets run around by Nadal hitting his normal crazy RPM forehands, I mean, this is over. This is over before it started. Schwartzman is going to have to impose some sort of aggression on Nadal here. Because if you let Nadal in the driver's seat on this one, Schwartzman, I'm sorry, but yeah, you, you've got no shot here. Um, and I just Nadal, hate to say it. The, the second serve, I, I keep cutting you off. I'm sorry. No, but you're the good. Second, the second serve for Schwartzman, like, it's dangerous. I, I feel like this will be the first time Nadal's like, you know what? I'm going to stand on the baseline for this one. Like, I, I mean, I, he's, I'm not yeah. six feet back. Like, I'll be okay. At the same time, though, I mean, even if, sure, say say he only stands four feet back, the problem with this is he is going to have so many It's a forehand. Looks. Yeah, you're exactly. He's, he's hitting he's a going, forehand. Yeah, he is hitting a forehand. Doesn't matter, deuce or ad side. He is going to have so many clean looks at that ball. And so I think that puts Schwartzman in a lot of trouble. Um, granted, look, Schwartzman, Schwartzman's done it before, right? We've seen him take a set off Nadal. Um, we've seen him play the level that he needs to play to be able to win this. It's just, can he do it? And will Nadal truthfully let this happen? And I think the answer is no. Um, of course, we can always be surprised, but I think if anybody is betting on this one, probably safest bet is, of course, Nadal by a decent margin. 
Look, Schwartzman's a fellow Vildachai, so I'm always going to give him a set just on the Jewish bump. But yeah, uh, Rafa in four at the most. Yeah, I think that is very fair. Well, with that being said, my last question to you out of these two matches, maybe it's dumb because we think one's going to be much more of a landslide, but are you definitely more excited for the Berrettini-Monfils matchup than the Schwartzman-Nadal? Because the, the Nadal one is primetime. Remember that one? I mean, give me all of Benchich and Andrescu. Just whatever. I will watch every second. If I'm, That's who I'm going to be watching because I'm so locked in on them playing in the semis. Yeah, and you are Monfils really Berrettini. looking ahead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, Monfils Berrettini is definitely, to me, the most— I mean, that's so disrespectful. I, I like— not that we have trolls, but like to say Nadal, Schwartzman. I feel like I'm I'm not anti big three. These guys are amazing, the greatest talents ever to play. But like I know what Nadal beating Schwartzman looks like. I can play that match in my head right now and feel comfortable that it's pretty accurate. So yeah, Berrettini to Monfils to me the more entertaining of the men's matches. I completely agree with you, not to steal your line, but um, no, we are looking <laughs> – had to throw it in there. Wait, you want to hear uh, something funny? Is my mom, who – my biggest critic, she's, you know, the Roger of Ebert of the mini break. Uh, she's like, Alex, you, you agree with people too often. Oh, well, it's not that you agree, but it's that you tell them you, you agree. You say it, and then I, you actually say something that's a disagreement. But <laughs> <laughs> before I let you get another one of those in, let's go ahead and wrap up. We've got some great matches slotted for the day. Um, listeners, thanks for tuning in with us. Gruskin, I want to thank you for staying up extra late after that Dimitrov Federer match to record with me. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully, I'll be able to hop on another one later in the week because this has been a very, very fun U.S. Open. But for our great producers, Max Fleetner and Daniel Westhoff, for everybody at the Cracked Rackets team, I'm Jamie McDonald and Alex Gruskin. What do we say? That's the break. All right, we'll catch you guys next time.